0: Welcome to the Stand By My Servants podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree, Professor of Church History and Doctrine at Brigham Young University, explores the lives and teachings of the members of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. As we examine the lives and teachings of these leaders, our lives can be edified, enriched, and spiritually strengthened. Now here is your host, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree. Well, I am excited to be here today with a friend and colleague, Stephanie Sorensen. Stephanie, thanks for coming over today.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, and so awesome to, uh, it's going to be awesome to talk about Elder Christofferson, his life, and some of his teachings. Uh, But first, Stephanie, let's just get to know you for a second. Just introduce yourself.
1: Sure. Like you said, my name is Stephanie Sorensen. I am an adjunct faculty here at Brigham Young University. I teach mostly the Living Prophets class. Um, I've taught, dabbled in a few other classes, but this is where my heart is. Yeah. And um, I've done that since 2012, so it's been quite a while. And um, and I really, really love learning and um, teaching and studying about the prophets. Um, I've. I've written a couple of books about gospel study, gospel principles, and I'm currently a Ph.D. student here at BYU in instructional psychology and technology. So that's what mostly keeps me busy (laughs) outside of the home. Um, I'm a mother, a wife, I have three children, and I'm just on the cusp of my empty nesting stage of life. Really? That's where we are right now. Yep,
0: That is incredible. Well, Stephanie, since we're talking about Elder Christofferson today... I would love it if you would just share just how Elder Christofferson has impacted your life and any other insights about his life that you would like to share with us.
1: Sure. Um, One of the things that I love about Elder Christofferson, and we'll get into this a little bit more as we look at his talks, but I love how he is kind of the why guy. Yeah, Um, when he teaches the gospel, that he loves to kind of explain the why behind many of the doctrines and the principles and how they fit into God's plan and help us to kind of understand the reasons that we do the things that the Lord asks us to do. And so I've just always appreciated that. Um, He also is very unapologetic about truth and, you know, he's, he, He gave a little video clip once about how truth is truth and we can't argue it away and it's going to be true whether we like it or not. And he kind of takes that no-nonsense approach to teaching the gospel as well. Um, At the same time, I feel like he has a very compassionate side. One thing that I love that he always does in his talks is that no matter what he's teaching, he seems to kind of anticipate the criticism of the talk or anticipate the well what about this kind of questions. Sure. And he addresses them in the talk. And so he says some might say yeah. and then he'll outline those things and then he'll address them and show and show how the give doctrines the fit together and give give that reasoning. And so I I I really appreciate how he teaches the gospel in a direct clear way giving reasons anticipating questions and just making making it very digestible and clear.
0: Yeah, I love that. In fact, I as you were as you were talking, I was thinking of his compassion but of his his ability to just zing it, you know. Yeah. And I and I thought of in one of his talks, the sense of the sacred where he says that if we if we're not going to follow prophets, then we may as well just be atheists. And I think when Elder Christopherson says that in his kind loving way we just go yeah that
1: Oh okay. <laughs> but if but if
0: someone else would have said that that would have been all over Twitter, you know, the next day, you know, right. as as something so harsh, you know, but he has that great ability to say it with compassion.
1: Right. And then I would say, um, you asked a little bit about my connection with him as well. Yeah. I've met Elder Christofferson a couple of times. I would not pretend to have a relationship with him <laughs> in any way, but right. his daughter Bryn and I are friends from our college years and we've kept in touch for many years and she has told me and shared with me many things about her father, especially knowing that I teach Living Prophets class and she said, yeah, you. this is what students should know about him. And oh, man. Things like that. So I wanted to share a few of those things. I always love to ask both about the apostles and their wives. So I'll tell you just a couple things about Sister Kathy Christofferson and then tell you more yeah. about um, I would love Elder Christofferson. But he said, uh, Bryn said that she, Kathy, is, my, she says, my mom is a hoot. That's the way she describes her mother. And she says that she was actually a BYU cheerleader and a a cougarette, but that she doesn't have a very cheerleader personality. She Mm -hmm. said she would down five to six Hershey bars before every performance. (laughs) And she said that she has a great sense of humor and that she makes all the other general authorities' wives laugh. Okay. So I thought that was kind of fun. But she said that she's very down-to-earth and very talented, just so artistic, creative in so many ways. She was actually an art major, an art minor at BYU, but wishes that she would have majored in art okay. because that's just kind of where her where her heart is. But um, one thing I thought that was fun that Bryn said, she said, I can't say she never yelled, but she did a fantastic job doing the grunt work of the parenting day to day since my dad was a bishop when my older brother was about six and then a stake president after that. When he was called to be a general authority, someone was consoling her and said how sad it would be not to sit by her husband at church anymore. And she said, honey, I haven't sat by my husband since 1976. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. you know, they grew up in that life where he was very busy with his callings and things like that. And that was just what he did. In fact, when Bryn was talking about him, she basically says, she says, my dad has a few hobbies. He likes to put around the garden and stuff like that. But then honestly, the church and the um, the gospel are his hobbies. That That's right. that's what he does. He likes to study and think about those things. And she said that he is a voracious reader, which mm. I think that you and I can probably recognize in his talks. Um, even just the talks that I looked at today, they have 20 plus footnotes in every talk where he's pulling in literature, examples from news stories, social scripture, science. social science. <laughs> right. yes. And Bryn said that He reads several newspapers and books, especially the biographies of historical figures and events, and that he's extremely well-informed. But but she did say that with Elder Christopherson, what you see is what you get, Um, except that in private, he doesn't use as many fancy words like hermeneutics and exegesis. (laughs) (laughs) And so you may remember one time where he was delivering a talk where he did use words like hermeneutics and exegesis, and then he made a joke about how the translators were going to have fun with that. Good right. luck, translators. Yeah, uh, I remember
0: that. That's <laughs> so, so funny.
1: And then, kind of like on a on a personality side, she she has a fun story about him. That one time, their family was driving to church in um, North Carolina, and they he was late to a stake meeting. Oh, I'm sorry, it was in Tennessee. Mm. He he was a stake president, and he was late because he hit a turtle with his car. <laughs> but he took the time to stop and get it out and make sure that the turtle was still alive and he wiped it off with his handkerchief and put it on the side of the road far enough over that it would be out of danger <laughs> and in in their it, that's kind of family lore they always talk about that but she right. said she said he's a softie. like he yeah. ca- he cares about people and things and and just to, and just has a soft heart and then one other thing that she said that I think is sweet to know about elder christopherson is that she said that he is an excellent letter writers Mm. and that every time someone has married into their family as an in-law he has written them a long sweet letter welcoming them into the family and she said that she has a letter that he wrote her one year for mother's day that she is treasured she said she cries every time she reads it wow and so that's just kind of a sweet thing to know something that he does within the family is that you know in the same way that he is direct and loving and clear to a general conference audience he does so with his own family members and communicates them with them in a way that um that shows his love for them and the things that he directly wants them to know
0: yeah i think that's so awesome to to hear that and i've never been disappointed as anytime we learn about their lives their private lives as husbands and fathers and grandfathers every story you hear you just it it just supports the idea of who they are and and the type of the caliber of people they are, right. so we're grateful for that. Well, why don't we transition into one of your favorite talks?
1: Sure. Um, as you know from our correspondence, narrowing it down to three talks is a very difficult <laughs> task That's tough, for me. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. But um, I'm I'm excited to share from these particular talks. The first one I wanted to address was a talk he gave in April 2015 called Why Marriage, Why Family? Mm. And I think that just given the state of the world and state of society today... He does exactly what we already mentioned, where he's just giving us the why. Why is this such a big deal? Why is it part of our doctrine? Why do we keep talking about this? Why do we have a family proclamation? Yeah. Why marriage? Why family? And he does that from a doctrinal standpoint to help us understand in the plan of salvation what the purposes of marriage and family are and what the effect of of marriage and family should be upon us as individuals and as a society. Right. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting that I just wanted to point out before we even talk about the actual talk is that this is one of many talks where he does that why thing. Yes. So I went through some of the titles, but he gave a talk called Why the Church? He gave Mm. a talk called Sustainable Societies. And in all of these talks that I'm listing, these are ones where he basically explains the purpose behind either the organization or the structure of something in the world or in the church. So we have Why the Church, we have Sustainable Societies, (laughs) we have the Doctrine of Christ talk where he actually outlines the pattern for how Revelation came in the ancient church and how it still does in the church today. And Mm. then he gave the talk called the Elder's Quorum where he explains why this structure is this. (laughs) way and how it works and then um more recently i believe in 2021 he gave the talk called why the covenant path so he loves this why thing both in the title but even in the in within the talks and the description and things like that sure so with that introduction um in the why marriage why family talk he asks the question in what ways does marriage between a man and a woman transcend their love for one another and their own happiness to become quote a post of responsibility toward the world and mankind. And that's a quote he got from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, mm-hmm. who he references as having written during Nazi Germany imprisonment, having written the letter to his niece, um, just kind of explaining a doctrinal standpoint, a Christian doctrinal standpoint about why marriage is such an important institution and how it supports um, society. Right. And so Elder Christofferson says to understand why this is this that important, we have to go back to the beginning. And so as he does that, he then goes through kind of this plan of salvation overlay about all of these principles. So first he talks about prophets have revealed from the beginning that we have bodies, that we become, that we are spirit children and that we come to earth and that there's a purpose for the plan, right? Yes. And then he goes on and talks about that after we were spirit beings, he offered us a path to complete or perfect that being. And that would be to be added upon with a physical body. And then Elder Christofferson talks about this concept of the first estate, which is the pre-existence, and the second estate, which we know is both our mortal and some post-mortal, it's (laughs) pre-judgment stage of life. And he says that the way that we keep our second estate This is the quote from him, this means that by our choices we would demonstrate to God and to ourselves our commitment and capacity to live his celestial law while outside his presence and in a physical body with all its powers, appetites, and passions. Could we bridle the flesh so that it becomes the instrument rather than the master of the spirit? Could we be trusted both in time and eternity with godly powers, including the power to create life? Would we individually overcome evil? Those who did would have glory added upon their heads forever and forever." And so he's just setting the stage that part of our mortal existence is to overcome all of these things, some of our own desires and passions and things like that, and focus on the Lord's plan. And so then he goes on to list four things that are needed for success of this divine plan. And many of them we've heard before. framed in different ways, right? But the one, the first he mentions is creation, that God created an earth and that all things were made by him. Secondly, Mm -hmm. the condition of mortality and that it's the conditions needed for our physical birth and a mortal experience and to learn outside of the presence of God. That's why we have mortality at all. And he said that with the fall came an awareness of good and evil and the God-given power to choose. Mm. And this idea of agency is something that Elder Christofferson has brought up in other talks as well. He gave the talk called Free Forever to Choose for Themselves, where he did a whole sermon on the importance of this agency and how God does not force us to do anything. And so he's alluding to this here as that's an important part of the divine plan. Right. Right. And then the third thing is redemption from the fall in other words we need a redeemer to overcome death both physically and spiritually and he says that the savior provides resurrection redeems us from our own sins on conditions of repentance and that our spiritual death and our separation from god will end because Mm. because of jesus christ and then fourth and finally and this is where he says this is where family becomes so important is that the setting for our physical birth and subsequent spiritual rebirth into the kingdom of God needs to take place as we experience this mortal journey in the plan. And then he says specifically, God ordained that men and women should marry and give birth to children, thereby creating in partnership with God the physical bodies that are key to the test of mortality and essential to eternal glory with him. He also ordained that parents should establish families and rear their children in light and truth, leading them to a hope in Christ.
0: So good. So that's where
1: he's just like laying it down. Now we're getting to the part. This is why we need families. You need to understand the whole plan, the purposes, the creation, the fall, the need for atonement. And then the fact that we, in order to access that atonement, we need physical birth and spiritual rebirth. And family is the vehicle where that that can happen is designed to happen. Sure. And then this also made me think Elder Christofferson has given a lot of other talks that talk about these important roles of fathers and mothers and parents and family. He gave a talk called fathers. He gave a talk called let us be men. You, You remember that one. And he spoke, he also gave a talk about the moral force of women and how they have um, powerful influence to help shape children, families, and society by using, exercising their moral agency to influence for good. And so all of those things, you know, it's like there's little pieces of what's here, but then he's taught greater sermons on each of them at, at different points as well. Any thoughts up to now?
0: No, I love it. In fact, Stephanie, this is a foundational talk for our Eternal Family course here at BYU but I, but I love what you what you said, and it's really interesting to, to view it, because I've got it on my screen, and I'm watching it unfold here. But as the talk is, why marriage, why family? But like you just said, to lay that whole foundation of the plan of salvation uh, in front of it. And then, as we talked about Elder Christofferson's great ability to bring in all the resources, he's going to go right into social science uh-huh. and other in yeah. other directions here uh, supporting once again really everything that he's talking about and why we why we need marriage and family today
1: right, exactly. Um, he, he goes on to kind of explain even further this idea of physical birth and spiritual rebirth being the important um, events in our progress that should take place in a family setting. And he said that it becomes very clear that nothing relative to our time on earth can be more important than physical birth and spiritual rebirth. They are the two prerequisites of eternal life. Mm-hmm. And he said that it becomes our link in the chain of generations, both here and hereafter. It's the order of heaven to be able to like have physical birth and spiritual rebirth. And and for both of those to kind of alternatively go from generation to generation to to both provide the setting where bodies and children can come into the world. But then also the setting where they are taught and raised in the gospel, spiritually reborn and able to make covenants and then bind the chains to the next generations as well. Isn't that awesome? I love that. So um, this I, I would just say that this paragraph from the talk, I think, is kind of like his, I don't know, like gut punch a little bit. Like, you know, left hook after he's laid this whole thing. But he says, A family built on the marriage of a man and a woman supplies the best setting for God's plan to thrive. The setting for the birth of children who come in purity and innocence from God and the environment for the learning and preparation they will need for a successful mortal life and eternal life in the world to come. A critical mass of families built on such marriages is vital for societies to survive and flourish. That is why communities and nations generally have encouraged and protected marriage and the family as privileged institutions it has never been just about the love and happiness of adults. Oh, wow. And I know that when, you may have had this experience too, when my students study this talk and think about this talk, that phrase, it has never been just about the love and happiness of adults, Mm. is a real self-check, right? Because a lot of times the attitudes and feelings that we have about marriage and family are influenced by what we expect to get out of it ourselves. Right. Right. Yes. Like it's for, it's for me, it's for my fulfillment. It's for my happiness and comfort. And, um,
0: Amen. And,
1: you know, it's about me feeling loved and all those things and <laughs> all so, my needs being met. Yes. You yes. Know? And certainly, certainly mm. marriage gives us a setting where we can develop that. But, um, but it's something that, the main purpose of marriage is not for our own fulfillment. It's for our growth, our growth eternally in an eternal sense and to provide a setting for God's children and to bless society, to bless
0: our society.
1: So I just think it's really interesting. He goes on to talk about how Satan works really hard against families, that there are a lot of arguments. Um, A couple of the things is that he really tries to remove sex from marriage, like take that out of a marriage setting and just really emphasize sexual relations in every other in every setting. setting yeah right and then and then he also tries to make the ideas of marriage and family just seem less important than other things like careers self-fulfillment as we've already mentioned and things like that and so i i just love this talk by elder Christofferson because i believe it gives us just this really good foundation about why family is such an important part of our doctrine, of the restored church of Jesus Christ in the context of the plan of salvation. But he also, towards the end of the talk, points out that many of our realities experience gaps in this ideal setting. And certainly there are many success stories of people who grow up outside of these kind of traditional things. But he still he still testifies that, um, that it is the best thing for society to try to strive towards these ideals as much as we can and still promises that no one is predestined to receive less than all the father has for his children so when we yeah. experience different circumstances the lord still provides for us to receive these eternal blessings
0: oh, stephanie that's so good you know stephanie uh, kind of kind of diving into what you just shared with us in that same talk why marriage why family you know if we really thought about what's going on today with marriages and families and why so many are falling apart to me it's driven by a few factors and in social science or even clinically we could talk about s- selfishness mm-hmm. or even narcissism in some in some way but from a gospel perspective we all know that Satan is very real and yeah. his ultimate goal is to destroy the family and using uh, just a little part from from that talk you just shared he said in the pre-mortal world Lucifer rebelled against God and his plan, and his opposition grows only in intensity. Mm -hmm. And he fights to discourage marriage and the formation of families. And where marriages and families are formed, he does what he can to disrupt them. He attacks everything that is sacred about human sexuality, just as you were saying a minute ago, tearing it from the context of marriage with a seemingly infinite array of immoral thoughts and acts. And then this, he seeks to convince men and women that marriage and family priorities can be ignored or abandoned or at least made subservient to careers and other achievements, and the quest for self-fulfillment and individual autonomy. And then, certainly the adversary is pleased when parents neglect to teach and to train their children to have faith in Christ and to be spiritually born again. Now, for me personally, I, I just, as I read that, especially the very end about parents almost having their, their foot off the gas or their hands off the steering wheel, right. you know, that they're, they're disengaged. I just, I continue to see that over and over and over again. And, and Satan is just winning that battle. And so one of the, you know, to your point, Stephanie, of, of some of these areas of the family that Elder Christofferson has, uh, you know, really focused on. You know, we have this talk from November 2000, well, October 2012. Rather than we have a work to do, uh, he also gave another talk to men.
1: Let us be men.
0: Let us be men, yeah. right? And so this is an area that's been on his mind mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And, you know, once again, to your point about his, his, uh, how much, how prolific he is as a reader and who studies the issues of the day. This is an area of research for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a lot of research on fathers and on and on and on boys. Every book that he quotes in the, in the opening, these are all books on my shelves. That yeah. that I mean, he is well read, no question about it. And he he's talking about this idea of the progression and the advancement of women, mm-hmm. which I love how he says, and that's something that we applaud. But then he talks about, but in that in that progression and then the advancement of women and education and their Roles in the workforce—it's almost like—but what happened to the men? Where did the men? Where did we go? What happened? And I'll read this. He said that uh, in their zeal to promote opportunity for women, something we applaud, there are those who denigrate men and their contributions. They seem to think of life as a competition between male and female, and that one must dominate the other. And now it's the women's turn. Some argue that a career is everything, and marriage and children should be entirely optional. Therefore, why do we need men? In too many Hollywood films, TV, and cable shows, even commercials, men are portrayed as incompetent, immature, or self-absorbed. And he says that this cultural emasculation of males is having a damaging effect.
1: Yeah. Really interesting, um, and I think we we certainly do see that. And I think that if we, if anyone can objectively look at like the Family Proclamation or any of the things the prophets and things have taught. We see that God wants men and women to be partnership to be in a partnership right. where they help one another to fulfill their roles. They yes. are supportive one another and so anytime that gender becomes competition yes that introduces contention then that's then that's an area where the Lord is not pleased because he is he has designed his plan in in a way that as we just saw in the other talk that that marriage that partnership becomes a foundational um place for growth to happen and and we need to bless and rely on <laughs> on one another. I wanted to share one thing really quickly from uh, his daughter, Brynn, one of the things she told me. She said, one thing he has no patience with is men who mistreat their wives. And one thing he thinks is a tragedy is women who marry beneath themselves as far as men who aren't worthy of the priesthood they hold.
0: Oh, wow. And so
1: I think, you know, that <laughs> kind of goes along with this, maybe a little bit of a counterpoint, too. Like, we don't want to denigrate men at all. And you know, if women are stepping up in the world, it doesn't mean we, you know, treat men poorly or assume they're all idiots or whatever. But at the same time, he's also is giving this message: this let us be men. Take you know, take the power that is God given, the priesthood power, and use it to bless and serve. And don't just be just like you said before. Don't neg- be neglectful as a parent. Neither be neglectful in your roles as a man.
0: Yeah, yeah. as a as a husband and father and all those things. You know, for yeah. sure. You know, one of the things he talks about in this message is just—you know—he talks about grades and academics and how girls are performing boys now at, in every level, and then he even transitions into into college. He says it's predicted that women will earn sixty percent of, bachelor's degrees, sixty-three percent of master's degrees, fifty-four percent of doctorate degrees, and then he says uh, two-thirds of students in special education remedial programs are men or are boys, right? Yeah. And then he says some men and young men have taken the negative signals as an excuse to avoid responsibility and never really grow up. And an observation that is too often accurate, one university professor remarked that men come into class with their backward baseball caps and their and their lame the word processor ate my homework excuses while women are checking their day planners and asking for recommendations for law school. Hmm. Now, with that, you know, Elder Christofferson says this. He says that brethren, this cannot be this way with us. And as men of the priesthood, we have an essential role to play in society at home and in the church. But we must be men that women can trust, that children can trust, and that God can trust. In the church and the kingdom of God in these latter days, we cannot afford to have boys and men who are drifting. We can't afford young men who lack self-discipline and live only to be entertained. Or who are going nowhere in life and are not serious about forming families or making a real contribution to the world. Or husbands who fail to provide the spiritual leadership in their homes. Well, anyway, he says more. I mean, there's, there's right. more to it than that. But I think what Elder Christopherson does in this message is as he talks about, it's just always interesting when we talk about the trends in the world and in right. society, what's happening out there. Are the brethren worried about those trends trickling into the church? And this is obvious that they are. And yeah. he's kind of sharing his concern here. But then he gives a great vision of what we can become. And he talks really, he transitions this talk from some of the social issues of the day with boys and men to kind of an ideal standard of what it is like to to be part of a quorum. What it is like to be a good father and a good husband. What it's like to prepare to be a missionary and how much we need a strong, powerful missionary force. And so... I don't know, Stephanie, if you have any other thoughts as you kind of view this, you know, here are both of us here viewing this message in the lens of a of a mother and a father. But is, if there's anything that you would add to that, let us know. Well,
1: yeah, two, two thoughts that come to mind is just a reminder that, you know, the prophet is not just a prophet to the church, but to the world. Yeah. And the apostles um, are, you know, disciples of Jesus Christ, who is a savior to the world. And so these messages are not just... This is not just a rebuke of men in the church. It's it's a message to me, to men everywhere that we we can do better, right? right. But then at the same time, um, you know, he does talk about he talks about together with the relief society we can build up parents and marriages. He recognizes the power of of working together, men and women. And I would say, based on this talk and others that he's given, you know, that we've already listed or whatever, that he's really telling both men and women to stand in their power and claim it yeah. and do the best that they can to bring forth the work and to bless marriages, bless families, bless societies.
0: Yeah, oh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Stephanie, what's another talk that you really appreciate from Elder Christofferson?
1: Well, one that I wanted to touch on briefly is his April 2022 talk called Our Relationship with God. Mm. The reason I wanted to share this one is that he set forth an analogy in that talk that has just been really powerful paradigm shift for me. Right. Where he... Um, where he explains that God is not a cosmic vending machine. I
0: <laughs> know you love that,
1: right? And that concept has just been so great because I think that some of the frustrations that we face as members of the church in our discipleship are often tied to our expectation of outcomes. Yeah. And what Elder Christofferson teaches here is that that's just not how God works. We obey because it transforms us into more Christ-like beings not because there's an expectation of a certain reward at a certain time and in a certain way and um and he kind of uses this talk to remind us that our relationship with god should be one that is trusting and knowing that he will bless us in his time and in his way and in our own needs so he says he says for example um It is folly for us with our mortal myopia to presume to judge God, to think, for example, I'm not happy, so God must be doing something wrong. (laughs) Right. And then and then he says some misunderstand the promises of God to mean that obedience to him yields specific outcomes on a fixed schedule. If life doesn't fall out precisely the way or according to an expected timetable, they may feel betrayed by God. But things are not so mechanical in the divine economy. We ought Mm. not to think of God's plan as a cosmic vending machine, where one, we select a desired (laughs) blessing, Two, insert the required sum of good works, and three, the order is promptly delivered. Mm -hmm. And so he goes on to say that, yes, of course God will honor his promises and his covenants and things like that, but not every blessing is shaped, designed, and timed according to our expectations. Right. And I just think that's just a very important awareness for us to have, is that faith is not built on certain outcomes. And I can just one specific example, example, since we've already been speaking about marriage and family and things like that. Yeah. I think many parents today find themselves feeling frustrated or fearful because maybe their children are wandering outside of covenant paths. Yeah. Um, They're turning away from the church. They're turning away from the gospel. And... It can be very easy for them to say like, but I did everything that I was supposed to. I did family home evening. I taught the scriptures. I've served in callings. I've paid my tithing. I've done all of these things. And their expectation is that, although maybe unstated, therefore, this shouldn't be happening in my family right? Like it's that idea like I've put in my quarter into the machine <laughs> and I want this to come out like a happily ever after. And so it takes a little bit of a mind shift to say that happily ever after is absolutely possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ. but it's not going to come in the way or the time or exactly in the how, expectation. yeah, that say, I say have how in we mind. expect yeah.
0: it yeah I, And Stephanie, I love what you're saying because, this is so cultural among us as members of the church, you know, you pay your, the idea is you pay your tithing and the windows of heaven open, oh. right? Or whatever. And I think that there's a mentality that you're, as you're describing and as Elder Christopherson has identified here, that I think so many of us think about it this way. This mm-hmm. is the way that we think about it with this vending machine mentality. And, and it is, it is, it's like you said, it's a huge paradigm shift to think of it in a different way. Right. Um, and, wow. I think,
1: and I think that another thing that he lays out here that is very important, very important to understand is that our obedience does matter. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, none of that counted. I did all that stuff and it didn't work out like I thought. Yeah. He said our obedience matters, but it's not because of an account, a checkbook in celestial tally. Right. right. He said they matter because that doing those things engage us in God's process of becoming who we're supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. That's so good.
1: Yeah. So, and then he finishes, he finishes that talk with a story about a woman who was blind. Yeah. Um, since the age of 11. And um, she, her, her quote at the end of the the story, is: she says, to those who ask me if I am angry because I am blind, I respond, who would I be angry with? Heavenly Father is in this with me. I am not mm. alone. He is with me all the time. And Elder Christofferson then bears so witness that that's, That, you know, even when things don't work out like we think they are, that God is with us and we need to walk with him and continue in that covenant path.
0: That's such a great, such a great insight. You know, Stephanie, another uh, favorite talk of mine is one that Elder Christofferson gave actually as a member of the presidency of the 70. It's old. It's it's 20 years old. I mean, it's uh, when thou art converted. But I guess I like it so much because I've just thought about this concept for so long. And the concept is that conversion drives our behavior. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that conversion can be compartmentalized, right? Where that we can be converted to one principle and and maybe not another, you know. So we can't say if someone, for example, is, is doing drugs or smoking that they're just not converted when in reality, they may be converted to some principles, but they're certainly not converted to the word of wisdom or right. something like that. But on a broader scale, that conversion drives behavior. Mm-hmm. And And Elder Christofferson shares the experience that he had as a stake president where there was an active member of his stake that he knew very well that committed a sin, a, a transgression that was quite heavy and quite significant. And he said, after some pondering, it came to me that this brother had never, ever become truly Converted, and it reminded me of an experience I had years ago, where I was meeting with someone who had had quite a crazy life, mm-hmm. and had been and been involved in just about everything. And I told him, I said, "Hey, you know what's funny is, I'm going to be speaking to a group of youth in my stake in about two hours. Can I quote you? You know?" Yeah. And he said, "Yeah," and he said, "Just tell them that the reason why my life is so jacked up." is because I really never paid the price to become converted to the gospel, you know? And wow. yeah. and so I do think that uh, this idea, I mean, he, he, and now here we are in 2024 in an era where we're watching people just be swept away and out to sea when it comes to their testimonies and their conversion uh, to the gospel. And I just believe that if we're more anchored, uh, if we were more anchored, we could be more solid in and that, in that when the waves come and hit us, we're going to still be standing straight, you know, so to speak. And we'll stay in the boat. And so one of the things Elder Christopherson does in this talk is he talks about conversion in a way. I feel like every step that he shares, he adds an insight that is, I think, very helpful. And for example, the very first step, you know, he says the very first step in becoming converted is stripping ourselves of pride. That's definitely something I've never, ever taught as a missionary or as a, as a teacher, you know, that, okay, let's strip ourselves of pride first. But I think that's a great insight.
1: I think that idea is very like a prescient of <laughs> president Nelson's let God prevail
0: Right where, yes. it,
1: where it's where you like recognize there is a greater power than me. That stripping yourself of pride is that there was someone greater, more powerful and more right. And I have to let him be in charge. And not me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so true. Uh, the second step that he gives to be, become more deeply converted is not surprising, right, that we want to study the gospel, to read the scriptures. But Elder Christopherson adds something here, and I've never read anything like this before. If we really want to be deeply converted, he says he says it's, it has to be more than just reading. Uh, he, says, uh, he says that what I imagine for us or for you is reading a few verses, stopping to ponder them, reading some verses again, and as you think about what they mean, praying for understanding, asking questions in your mind, waiting for spiritual impressions, and writing down those impressions and insights as they come to us. Now, he says, studying in this way, we may not read a lot of chapters or verses in half an hour, but we'll be giving place in our heart for the Word of God. Now, I studied the scriptures today, and Stephanie, you probably did too, and I promise it wasn't quite like this. No. But you know
1: what, Mark, is so interesting about this? is mm. you know, Do you know who else taught this exact same pattern? Elder Richard G. Scott. Wow. Elder Christopherson's mission president.
0: Isn't that awesome? Learning it's, from his mission yes. president, right? Yep.
1: He taught that pattern about studying, stopping, pondering, asking, going writing. back, writing, <laughs> yeah. and asking, is there more? And it's so interesting to see Elder Christofferson, one of his young missionaries that must have been influenced by by that pattern.
0: By his mission president. That's so cool. Another step in conversion, one that we're not surprised about, is prayer. But I love that Elder Christofferson, as he's quoting from Amulek in the Book of Mormon, to pour out our souls to God in our closets and secret places. And then what should we be praying for? He says, most of all, we should be praying to be filled with the love of Christ which once again, to me, a great insight. Mm -hmm. And then another one, once again, not surprising, but the idea that if we wanna become converted, we need to serve other people. And I see that as, you know, we live in a society that's becoming more and more selfish and more and more narcissistic. And as we engage in that or watch that happen before our eyes, the antidote for that, at least one of them is gonna be serving and helping other people, loving other people more than we love ourselves. Um, And so I love what Elder Christofferson says. To be converted, we must not only open our hearts to a knowledge of the gospel and the love of God, but we must practice the gospel law. And one of these laws is service.
1: The most recent BYU devotional as of today was by Elder K. Brent Natris. Like hours old. An hour hour ago. An hour ago. And these are the three principles he just taught. Yeah. Pray, read, serve. Yeah. That's what he taught. Super simple, and, right? And, you, and these are the same three that Elder <laughs> Christophus has outlined. So there's a second witness that that's an important part.
0: Right. And, we'll, and I think we we'll see that pattern over and over again. Another one he talks about, you know, he'll, he, he introduces it this way, but this is another step to conversion. He says, in ancient times when people wanted to worship the Lord and seek his blessings, they often brought a gift. And then he gets into talking about sacrifice mm-hmm. and the sacrifices that we make. And then it gets into this idea that if we want to become converted, we are going to have to make sacrifices. We're going to have to give something up to become more deeply converted to the gospel, to spend time in a, in an area that we usually wouldn't spend time in. For for instance, we may know, well, I just read it in President Nelson's book. All right, Stephanie, you're going to know the, the, the cover of the book. The, 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 more, the Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter, yeah. right? where he talks about, uh, in one of the opening chapters, looking at his wife, Dancel, years ago and saying, you know what, I am not progressing spiritually the way that I need to. And then I, I love that he asked her for permission. He said, would you be okay if I woke up at 4.30 every morning and really studied the scriptures and played the organ? And he, and he tells him how he actually had some device that he could plug That's in. That's why I and, asked permission. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the permission part was for the organ. but But once again... So giving up some extra sleep, uh, in the case of President Nelson, so that he can become more acquainted with, with our Heavenly Father, the Savior, and the principles of the gospel found in the scriptures.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a beautiful thought. Sacrifice precedes that conversion. Yeah, that
0: kind of conversion. So anyway, I, I've always just really liked this message.
1: So the next talk I wanted to share is actually a devotional that he gave at Brigham Young University. It was a CES Fireside for Young Adults in January of 2011. Yeah. And it's called Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. Mm. And this is, again, an older one, but one that I love because I've thought of so much over the years. Right. Um, And I think that this talk provides a productive counterbalance to the true... And important teachings we often receive about the long game Mm. and beginning with the end in mind and thinking celestial, because all of that is true and it's good. But he kind of makes an argument here for the importance of kind of also focusing on the day to day and not getting too lost in the end game.
0: Right. Right.
1: And for for students this has been a really important thing, right? They're at these the cusp of their life where they have to think about all these huge future decisions and um, how are things going to be and what <laughs> if I messed up, up stuff up right now and it's going to ruin the rest of my life and they get anxious about things and don't know how to even do what they're supposed to do next week. So how can they figure out what to do for the rest of their lives? You know yeah. what I mean? Those, those kinds of anxieties. Those kind of things, yeah. And so um, Elder Christopherson gives this talk where he says... Thoughtful planning and preparation are key to a rewarding future, but we do not live in the future. We live in the present. Mm -hmm. It is day by day that we work out our plans for the future. It is day by day that we achieve our goals. It is one day at a time that we raise and nurture our families. It is Mm -hmm. one day at a time that we overcome imperfections. We endure in faith to the end one day at a time. Wow. It is the accumulation of many days, well-lived, that adds up to a full life and a saintly person. And so I would like to talk to you about living well day by day. Mm. So that's kind of the impetus for this talk. And I think that's just such a, an important reminder because I remember once President Monson said that courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try harder tomorrow.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? Wow.
1: Like, sometimes... You know, daily is our progress is just happens in these daily steps and it's important. And so I'm not going to touch on all of these things. This is, you know, I would just recommend to your listeners go study this talk, but he gives six, I think six or seven things like number one, he says, look to God for what is needed each day. Number two, looking to God daily for our needs nurtures faith, like learn to become dependent upon him. Right. And like think of him as daily sustenance, the same way manna was that bread from heaven for the Israelites. (laughs) Right. Right. And his third one is trust in the Lord that solutions may come over time. Like, just like we can't do everything all at once, solutions won't come all at once. They'll come little by little. Sure. And that's where he shares the story of a financial crisis that he faced, where sometimes he just didn't know if, like, if they would be able to survive that crisis. And he said that he fell on his knees many times, begging with tears for help from his Heavenly Father. And... He said that, um, though I suffered then, as I look back now, I am grateful there was not a quick solution to my problem. The fact that I was forced to turn to God for help almost daily over an extended period of years taught me truly how to pray and get answers to prayer and taught me a very practical way to have faith in God. And so he realized that those answers and solutions came day by day, not as a big, ta-da, it's fixed. Right. Right.
0: And Stephanie, on that, if I can just jump in just for a second, i I've always liked this talk and this story that you're sharing and this experience that the Christofferson's had, you know, he tells us that it was before, just before he was called to be a general authority. And so I'm, I'm thinking he may have been a state president when mm-hmm. this was going on, but it's just that great reminder that sometimes I think we feel that certain people in the church that hold certain positions are immune from the challenges of life. And it's a reminder as we study the lives and you can, you can help me on this, but I can't believe how many of our apostles have lost children to death, you know, and how many of them have lost a spouse, let's say, or have had some kind of tragedy in their life. But, but in Elder Christofferson's case, a financial uh, trial, but once again, we're we're not immune, right. you know, and I remember when I was a, a bishop years ago in our Texas ward, and I was just talking to a great old Texas lady with the thickest Texas accent yeah. ever, and and we were just, t- it was tithing settlement, and we were just talking, and, and I, I felt like I, I could be open with her, and I just confessed to her that, you know, I kind of thought that when I was called to be a bishop, that maybe we would be at the end of our financial troubles, and, and uh, she just told me her great thick Texas way that, no, Bishop, the Lord's got to keep you humble yeah, and, uh, and whatever he needs to do to do it. But, uh, you, you, yeah, you're going to have trouble in your life because the Lord wants it that way because he needs to be able to work through you and he can't do it if you if you don't have challenges or trials in your life. Right.
1: Well, and Elder Christopherson gives that context that, you know, we we need to understand that the Lord is our daily sustenance. Yes. Right. And so when we if we didn't have needs, we wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't recognize that. We wouldn't recognize that we need to be dependent upon him to guide us and move us forward and,
0: every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, He also said his number four thing is to work through large problems in small daily bites. And he tells the story Mm. of Navy SEALs. He had read about them and and the senior officer said to them, First of all, I do not want you to give in to the pressure of the moment. Whenever you're hurting bad, just hang in there. Finish the day. Mm. Then, if you're still feeling bad, think about it long and hard before you decide to quit. Second, take it one day at a time one phase at a time. And I think that's great counsel for when we're in the middle of our suffering. And he goes on to tell the story also of his mother who suffered from radical cancer surgery and then had painful radiation treatments. And at one point, tearfully, she said to her mother, I can't do this anymore. And her mother said, Can you do it one more day? Yeah. And she said, I I can do that. And that's how she got through the whole thing. And what a great lesson that is for each of us, right? When we're in the middle of hard things, I think our anxiety tends to project them forward. And this is what my forever is going to look like. It's going to go on and I'm not going to be able to handle it. Yeah. But can I do today? Can I do today, especially with the Lord's help? Yeah. And I think that that really sets us up for success. Such a great insight number five god's daily bread is needed in reaching our potential number six seek the lord's help in serving others we should be like you said service like we shouldn't just be taking daily but giving daily (laughs) right and then number seven daily choices have eternal consequences that idea of small and simple things can make a big difference so just do good little things every day and trust that it adds up over time. Right. And then finally he just bears testimony that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He is the bread. Yeah. Right? And we need him daily. And he says, I bear you my witness of the living reality of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, and of the infinite power and reach of his atonement. Ultimately is it is his atonement, his grace that is our daily bread. We should seek him daily, do his will each day to become one with him as he is one with the father. And I just love that uh, reminder. And so daily bread is a message that has stuck with me for a long, long time.
0: I think, Stephanie, that is so cool. In fact, in our living prophets class, that that used to be one of the talks that we would review. And now that you've reviewed it again with us, it makes me feel like, okay, maybe we need to bring that (laughs) one back. This also reminds me of a, of a, of a, of a subject addressed by present Kimball, presently Lee and others, as they talked about the parable of, you know, the 10 virgins mm-hmm. and the lamp, the, you know, yeah. the, the oil drop in our lamps drop. and drop by drop, yeah. right? Righteous living comes a drop at a time.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. This goes very well with what Elder Christopherson just posted this week on Facebook. He did the Lima temple, yes. the Peru temple dedication. And at, after talking about holiness to the Lord, he said, perfection is not required, but it would be a wonderful thing if we individually worked hard to be at least a little better, a little holier each time we entered the doors of the temple. We can examine our lives from time to time and ask ourselves if there is something unworthy we should put out of our lives. So much like this example you just shared. Right. Or on the other hand, if there is a Christ-like attribute we should more fully cultivate in ourselves. As we pray and ask God, what lack I yet? Let us then act on the impressions that come to us from him. By what we are becoming day by day, our lives become a more holy offering to the Lord.
0: Mm. And
1: I feel like that sums up several of the talks we just talked about. <laughs> what this example you just shared about praying to ask the Lord what he should take care of. This yeah. idea of day by day
0: yeah. and
1: becoming, becoming, building our relationship with God and becoming who we can. And I'm just grateful for the example and message of Elder Christofferson. Yeah,
0: and I am too, Stephanie. I am too, and I, I, I just feel so strongly that all of these men—they really live what they teach, you know. And, and I think Elder Christopherson is an, an example, both in his family and in his, his professional life, his his church life, yeah. uh, of someone who's a true disciple of Christ. And I remember, I I was in a meeting once uh, w- with a small group where he was there. He was the He was addressing us. Okay. And and he asked if anyone had any questions, you know, and and a mother raised her hand and she had had uh, three significantly handicapped children that she wanted desperately for them. They were adults now and she wanted them to go to the temple and and wondered if it was appropriate for them to be endowed in the temple. And as she's asking this question, she's just sobbing, you know? And I remember Elder Christofferson just stood there for a minute and You could tell he was soaking it all in, you know, and he just responded by saying that is such a tender question, you know, and the way that he said that and then the way that he answered the question, you just you just saw Christ in him, you know, the way that he's so kind and he's so loving. And so we are so greatly blessed to have uh, these prophet seers and revelators in our midst. And we're grateful that there are, are prophets in the land. Amen to that. Stephanie, thank you for being with us today. Thank you very this much. This is fun. We'll have to do it again. Sure. <laughs> All right. And everyone, thank you for being with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.